Well, good morning. morning. It's good to see all of you here this morning. Uh, My name's Tim. I get the privilege of being the lead pastor here and uh, also uh, supervision over our staff. And uh, that video was made by one of our staff members, Jeff, which I'll give you one guess uh, whose job is on the line tomorrow morning. (laughs) Right? So his trick now, what he does is he doesn't tell me uh, what kind of video we're going to make, and so Kelly and John were obviously in on it, and I came and did my part, and then I get to find out with you what the end product is. <laughs> but no, he does such a great job. We're blessed to have him, and uh, he's just been such an important part of our, of our church and uh, helping us get the message out. In fact, apparently they're going to put this thing on Facebook, so if you guys want to share it all over Facebook and say, this is the crazy church that I go to. Uh, look for that this week. Uh, Today we're going to be continuing a series of messages that we started last week called Life Undone. And uh, it's uh, that time of the year, you know, for a lot of people where it really is truly the start of the year. Amen? Right? So if you have kids, uh, September is really the start of a new year. It's not January. And if you think about it, most people don't like the month of January. Usually we're mourning, we're complaining about the weather, and we're trying to figure out why we live in Michigan and where we're going for spring break. I mean, really, truly, September is the start of a new year for so many of us. And those of us with kids, we are so excited to take and put our kids back in school. And And all the parents said... Amen. Unless you send your kids to a manual Lutheran school like I do, who went through a major building uh, project this summer. In fact, our kids got out of school early. So we've had our kids, uh, they got out of school the end of May. We've had our boys all of June, all of July, and all of August. And so the idea was that they would go back to school the day after Labor Day. And a couple days before the Tuesday after Labor Day, we get an email from the principal that says, they haven't gotten the permits for the building, your kids can't come back to school yet. And I bawled like a baby. <laughs> I said, you have got to be kidding me. Like, what in the world? I, what, what does this mean? And so uh, they delayed it by a whole week, and by the fact that they actually started the Monday after Labor Day, and it was only a half day of school. I said, are they trying to kill us? I mean, we're actually paying to send our kids uh, to this school. And the reason is, is because so many of us, we want to be on to the next thing, right? We have task lists. We have things that we want to accomplish. We have things that we want to do. And me in particular, I love to-do lists. And so I have all these things that I need to do this fall. We have all these programs that we need to launch. I got people I need to connect with, leaders we need to raise up, people we need to empower. There's so many things that we still need to fix, you know, this, this, and this, all these things that we need to do. And then you get delayed when something like this comes into your life. And it is interesting how much time we spend writing out to-do lists for our lives, but how often do we spend time writing out lists of things we're not going to do this new year of our life? Isn't it interesting how many goals we have from now until the end of the year, whether it be career rise, right? Like we have things that we want to do with our work. Maybe you own your own business or you, you, know, you want to get that promotion or you want to be able to be, have your finances in order by December or maybe it's you know, relational goals and so you're planning to connect with different people. Some of you have recreational goals. You're really good at going on vacations and so you've got all your vacations planned out for the rest of the year, right? What about our spiritual lives, How many of us actually take time to plan out our spiritual lives? Think about your relationship with God right now, today, and where would you like your relationship to God to be on December 31st of this year? Why is it we plan everything else out in life, but when it comes to spiritual matters, that always seems to just miss the radar? 
kind of just one of those things that we just kind of fall short of. And we turn to our Bibles and, you know, we, we read the stories in the Bibles. And as Pastor John shared last week, a few years ago, uh, there was a movement called WWJD. Remember, there was bracelets and T-shirts and all sorts of stuff. And WWJD stands for what would Jesus do, Jesus do right? And so when he said that last week, the first thing that came into my mind, I always think of all the things that Jesus did. I think of all the times that he went around teaching and preaching and empowering people and raising the dead and healing the sick and attending weddings and attending funerals, on the go, ministry, 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 ministry. And I never think about the times that he spent drawing away from the crowds and getting away from the disciples and being alone with God in prayer. And here's a guy just happened to be the savior of the world who only had three years to accomplish the mission that God was going to give him. Three years. And yet somehow he had the perfect balance between spending time with God and allowing God to pour into him with what God had called him to do, his vocation, his ministry, just as he calls each and every one of us to our vocations and to our ministries. And so the point of this series, what we've been going after, is this whole concept of, of not looking at what is next to do, but maybe what is next to undo. Because we all know we have busy lives. We all know we have too many things already on our plate. And in order for us to be able to live that life that God has called us to live, truly the first thing that needs to take place is something needs to be undone in our lives. And today you're going to see it's not so much even you know, a practical thing. It's more about the condition of our hearts and so we're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 15, and I invite you to grab one of the chair Bibles if you have your own Bible, Matthew chapter 15. If you have a Bible app on your phone, you are more than welcome to use that. We're going to turn to page 820. And we're going to look at an exchange that Jesus has with the religious leaders of the day. Page 820, Matthew chapter 15, starting in verse 1, it says, Then the Pharisees and scribes came to Jesus from Jerusalem and said, Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? For they do not wash their hands when they eat. Let's stop right there. Well, that's kind of odd, right? I mean, what, what's the point of this? So you're the religious leaders of the time. And uh, you kind of have this passive-aggressive way of asking Jesus a question because Jesus would have been included in this. It wasn't that he was doing something that was different than the disciples. He, didn't he most likely hadn't washed his hands either, but yet instead of asking Jesus, they kind of go around and say, well, why is it that your disciples do this? Why aren't they following the traditions? And so you've got to remember, at this time in this place, the religious leaders were very, very, very stuck on their traditions in fact, tradition and the word of God were almost on the same parallel. Sometimes their traditions even outweighed the word of God. And we deal with that today, don't we? There's, there's churches and sometimes we kind of fight that as well. And so they're going after something that's kind of superficial, something that's kind of surface level with this whole idea of washing their hands, which back then was very important. They had all these ceremonies and all these things that they would do. And so they're trying to trick Jesus and they're trying to like catch him off guard. And Jesus just fires back. Listen, look at what he says to him in verse 3. He said, He answered them, and why do you break the commandment of God for the sake of your tradition? For God commanded, Honor your father and mother. Whoever reviles father and mother must surely die. But you say, If anyone tells his father or mother what you would have gained from me is given to God, he need not honor his father. So for the sake of your tradition, you have made void the word of God. Ouch. You hypocrites. 
Well, did Isaiah prophesy of you when he said, see the little punt back here, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain they do not worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. Kind of interesting, this exchange between Jesus and the religious leaders. And basically what he's doing is he's making a huge distinction between God's commands and their traditions. And he's saying, even in your traditions, you have taken and you've maligned and you've twisted and you've distorted the word of God to fit your own agenda. And I am here to set it straight. He starts off by quoting Exodus. He quotes one of the Ten Commandments, honor your father and mother. And if you dig into this, you find out that they had actually uh, misrepresented this text as well because back then they were supposed to take care of their parents. They were supposed to take care of their parents financially and some of them had figured out a loophole to get around this so that they wouldn't have to do this. Then he just flat out calls them hypocrites. Imagine Jesus calling you a hypocrite. Right? This isn't Jesus with the children around him, you know, the nice Bible stories that we teach. Right? This, is, this is a pretty direct passage of Scripture. And then he goes on to quote Isaiah, which they would have known. They would have been very well versed in these Old Testament passages. And I want you to look at it again. It says, people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. And then look at what it says, in vain do they worship me. Make no, make no mistake, this was not a friendly conversation. This was a heated exchange. And those of you that don't like confrontation, which is probably most of you in this room, this is where you probably would have been backing up from Jesus, right? I think, you know, I got something on the stove I need to take care of, or I got to go back to work, or I don't want to get involved in this mess. And as we read this passage, what it should do is it should prick our hearts and should challenge us on our approach to worship. What is our approach to worship? It should cause us to examine our own lives. Where have we allowed traditions or our opinions on things to get in the way of our worship of God? See, it's so easy to come in here week in and week out, right? And maybe we bow our heads for the prayers and we stand for the songs and we listen to the message and we're convicted by the message, but yet we leave out the doors either this way or that way and our lives don't change. We come in here and it's just like, okay, well, that was great or good job or, you know, I like the songs or I didn't like the songs. Or maybe we grab the bulletin and we grab the sermon outline and we look at the sermon outline and we go, oh, Pastor John's preaching this week, Right? Or we pull the outline and go, ah, Tim's preaching this week, right? Or she's singing in the worship team, or he's leading the band, or they sang those songs, or this is our new one, I guess. He's playing the drums, and he's the loud drummer, right? (laughs) Or the coffee cups are small. Who shrank the coffee cups? (laughs) And we get fixated on the weirdest things. Instead of fixated on what is matters most, almighty, merciful God that has brought you into this earth, that created you, that put you into this church, that you would come in here and you would respond in your praise and your worship of him, regardless of who is preaching, regardless of who is singing, regardless of what crazy videos we show on Sunday morning. It's your connection to God and it starts in your heart. And this is exactly what happened to these religious leaders. 
This is exactly what happens. And I was thinking about this week when it comes to traditions here at Shepherd's Gate. I mean, honestly, we're a really laid-back church. If you were our guest this morning, I mean, truly, this is really who we are. And, you know, other churches struggle with tradition and that whole battle of, you know, battling tradition versus the Word of God way more than we do. But then I began to think, what if our laid-backness, what if our approach to things can so easily become a weakness because we're too laid back, because we make excuses for too many things, because it's so easy, you know, to start not coming as often as we should and we start putting other things in the way and we start having other things that take priority because we are such a loving and caring community, but we're also a very laid back community. And see, not only does it affect our worship and gathering weekly as God has commanded us to do, and you know, maybe we have reasons why we can't carve out an hour a week for worship of him, but it affects our ability to serve and use our gifts to serve God. It affects our ability to be in a small group or a Bible study, to walk through life with other people because that's what God has asked us to do. It affects our ability to give of our time and our resources to the God who asks us to respond to him in that way. See, what happens slowly but surely, and usually the longer you're at a church, the, the, the easier this can become, is you become apathetic. You become an apathetic Christian. Well, I know every story in the Bible, and I've heard every message that, that, that can be preached, and so, you know, I, I hear what you're saying, and I've heard it before, and I'm fine just living my life the way that I am. And again, you walk out the doors, and nothing changes. And yet, that's not God's plan for your life at all. That's exactly where these religious leaders were in their hearts, in their lives. They were just playing church. The devil loves nothing more than apathetic Christians. Did you know that? In fact, I think once he gets you in that realm, once he realizes you're in that thing and you're not growing in him, I think he just leaves you alone because he's like, I got this person exactly where I want them. They're not moving toward God. In fact, they're slowly but surely moving away from the things of God. And so if you find yourself, as you examine your heart this morning, what is it that would cause you to move closer to God? What is it that's going to cause you to build your relationship with the Lord? How is your spiritual life going to be different now, or December 31st, than it is now? And not only does the devil love apathetic Christians, he loves Christians that don't forgive one another. In fact, if you rewind just a few Chapters before John 15, there's, or Matthew 15, there's Matthew chapter 5. And Matthew chapter 5 actually deals with this. It's another teaching of Jesus, and he deals with the same thing all over again. And what's really interesting is it follows the same pattern of our text this morning. And I want you to see it. It's on the screens. It says this, You have heard that it was said of old, You shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. So think about this. He's pointing back to another Ten Commandments. And he says, But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council, and whoever says, you fool, will be liable to the hell of fire. So if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, listen to this, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother, and then come and offer your gift. And it's so interesting as you read the Bible, as you look at scriptures, how many of the scriptures deal with unforgiveness? Let me ask you this morning, who is it that you have unforgiveness towards? If you could write out your top 10 list, who would be the top of that? Who's your most wanted? Who's the person that's just driving you crazy in your life that you're withholding unforgiveness from? 
And it's so interesting, as you read the passage again, it says, so if you are offering your gift at the altar and you remember that your brother has something against you, not that you have something against your brother, but that, you, but that your brother has something against you, that you are to leave your gift at the altar. And see, back then, for them, it was animal sacrifices. And so they would bring the animal sacrifice into the temple because that was their form of worship. And they would hand it over to the priest. And, and Jesus is saying that you leave that at the altar, that you go and you reconcile, and then you come back, you present that animal to the priest, and the priest does the ceremony. Well, what is our gift for us today? It's when we gather in here corporately. It's when we sing our songs. It's when we pray. It's when we receive Holy Communion. It's when we participate as a church. That when we come in here and we're not, you know, uh, forgiving our brothers and sisters, we're not reconciling, we're not living that life that he's called us to do, the Bible is telling us that our worship is hollow. That it's missing the central component of what God has called us to do. That we would first be reconciled to our brothers and sisters, and then we would offer our gifts to him. Church, this morning, are we just playing church? Are we coming here because we're coming here to make somebody in our family happy, like our spouse, and so we're clocking in, right? Or maybe because we think it's good for the kids, so as long as the kids see that I'm coming to church, okay, well, that's going to you know, be good for them, but yet nothing's going on in our hearts. What is it for you? Don't make it a surface level issue. Go deep this morning. Let God pierce your heart with his word. That's what this sermon, that's what the series is all about. Being open and honest before our God. What is it that's preventing you from giving your all to God in worship? Have you become apathetic toward the things of God? What is it that he's calling you to? What is the life that he wants for you? What needs to be undone in your life so that he can do actually what he truly wants to do in your life. I want us to look now at the second half of our main text this morning, Matthew 15, if you still have your Bibles open, if not, they're on the screens. Verse 10, it says this, he called the people to him and said to them, now this is typical, when the, when the religious leaders would come, he would make sure that the crowd gathered around, that the disciples gathered around, so now he's got everybody, everybody's there, And he says, hear and understand. It is not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person, but what comes out of the mouth. This defiles a person. Then the disciples came and said to him, do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this saying? Isn't that funny? Hey, did you know you offended them when you called them hypocrites? Right? He answered, every plant that my heavenly Father has not planted will be rooted up. Let them alone. They are blind guides. And if the blind lead the blind, both will fall into a pit. It goes on to say, But Peter said to him, Peter, the brave one, right? The one who always would speak up. Explain the parable to us. And Jesus said, Are you also still without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into the mouth passes into the stomach and is expelled? But what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart. Think about this. And this defiles a person. Hold on, here it comes. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. These are what defile 
a person. But to eat with unwashed hands does not defile anyone. And as you look at these words, as you hear these words of Jesus this morning, and you know there's so many sins that are attached just to these words this morning, what is preventing you from on all out worship of your God and your King? What are you still holding on to? What grudge do you have in your life? Is it against a family member? Is it against somebody else here at the church? Is it against maybe the church as a whole? What is it that's preventing you from unleashing you to the worship that God has for you? God is always, always after our hearts. And I believe this morning, as hard as maybe this is to hear for some of us, you know, you got to understand God loves you. He sent his son Jesus to die for you. The life you're living, he wants to make it better. And the way he makes it better is by drawing you closer to him, is by speaking into your life each and every day. In fact, your most important relationship in your life is your relationship with God. God loves you. And he wants to draw you in and he wants to take that sin from you. And he wants to go on this journey with you to pull you closer than you've been ever before that this year and this season of the year would be different than any other season of your life. In fact, it would be the best spiritual season you've ever seen and you would go deeper and further than you've ever gone before. But it starts with what God needs to undo before we can ever begin to do. What is that for you? Don't make this just another Sunday morning. Get real with God. Be honest with God. And see, this morning, this is what we're going to do as we end our service. In fact, some of you watch watchers are going, wait a second here, there's 10 minutes left. <laughs> no, we did this on purpose because some of you might have noticed that the worship set at the beginning was a little bit shorter. Maybe you didn't make it in for the worship set in the, in the beginning. Maybe you were here, but you weren't really here because you had so many other things going on. This is what we're going to do as a church this morning. Is we're going to give you an opportunity to worship your God. And it's going to start with confessing those areas of our lives that we need to get out, the junk that we need to get out, to hand over to him and then we're going to open our mouths and we're going to sing and we're going to proclaim to the God who created us, the God who redeemed us by his precious blood, the God who gives us the Holy Spirit to sustain us in all things. We're going to take time at the end of the service to pour our hearts out to the one that deserves all of our worship and all of our attention and all of our praise. Will you bow your heads and close your eyes with me this morning? Heavenly Father, I'm so grateful that you have gathered us into your house this morning. And God, we thank you for your word. And we admit, we humbly come before you that so often in our hearts and our lives we can become apathetic toward the things of you. That even being in church can just become something that we clock in and clock out. And then we leave, but there's no change. God, we humble ourselves before you this morning and we say to you, we don't want to be like that anymore. God, so we confess our apathy.
We confess our hollow worship, our vain worship to you. We don't want you to ever say, just leave them alone, just let the blind lead the blind. God, we want to be drawn closer to you. So God, now in our praise and our worship time of you, may you be exalted. May you be enthroned. May you receive our confession and our praises because of who you are and because you are worthy of our lives, all of our lives and all of our worship. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Will you stand with me this morning? And before we sing these songs, we're going to say this scripture together as a corporate confession to our God. Let's say these words together. Create in me a, a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me.